This is Key the Mic, a podcast on the leading edge of fire service innovation. I'm your host, Inanna Hinky. Join me as we unpack today's emerging issues and the minds and tools at work to solve them. So there's all of these different areas that overlap. Like you can't just say we need to fix this problem, give it to health and human services and they'll solve it or give it to the sheriff's department and they'll solve it. Like we need task forces of interdisciplinary resources to manage that. We're good at that. The fire service is good at triaging calls, assessment, solving these problems. But we don't always find ourselves as the partner that's sitting at the table. Today we are joined by Bob Horton, the CEO and fire chief for a special district in Southern Oregon and host of the Assuming Command podcast, where he interviews thought leaders, innovators, and influencers in public service. Chief Horton has 20 years of experience in the fire service and is a scholar practitioner of applied research examining the intersection of economics, public policy, and community risk management. Chief, tell us about your leadership journey in the fire service. Wow, Anana, thank you so much and so grateful to be here on the show. You know, it's been such an amazing career. You had noted I've been doing this just over 20 years, about a third of that time. I've been serving in an executive leadership role. I don't know that that was the journey I thought I would find myself on, although people that know me best would probably argue that point, feel like that was probably where I would land. And throughout my time in serving the community, I sought out just opportunities to influence either change or just service delivery. And that was both for the internal environment, like the workforce, how do we make this a better place to work? And the external environment is how do we provide better service to our community? And that's all I wanted to do. And and I was able to find opportunities at every position I've had in the fire service and was either supported and mentored by great people that helped me navigate uh, or just rose my hand and said, yes, I'd like to be part of that and see if we can make things better. And that journey took me through great opportunities to different areas of responsibility in the fire service, ultimately brought me here to Oregon and to Southern Oregon to lead this fire district that we're at and some of the other areas of responsibility that I've had a chance to be a part of. And uh, so the the journey has really been about trying to make things better and putting myself in a room where those types of decisions were being made. That attitude of questioning the systems as they are and how can we build upon what we have and also expand our capabilities, I think in the workforce is really wonderful to see. And it's great that you could promote that part of yourself and move up and be able to help others through your different roles. And it sounds like you've really brought this into your current role where you are continuing to ask those questions and also through the podcast that you have as well. This is something that's central to the theme of how can we connect with others and continue to make things better. I'm wondering how long you've been podcasting. We're getting ready to launch at the end of this month. We'll launch our 10th episode, one per month. So we're coming up on just about a year uh, that we've been doing Assuming Command. And by we, I mean, it's a joint venture journey between my wife and I. And in this anniversary episode that we're going to do, Jenny made me commit that we would turn the microphone around and she would interview me, you know, a little bit of a, of a behind the scenes look at how I think and, and how I've come about to want to do these types of adventures, I guess. That's an episode that I would definitely want to listen to. And Mm -hmm. would I be asking for spoilers if I asked you what inspired you to start your podcast? Is that something that you're already going to cover or can we hear about that in advance? 
Oh no, we're going to, we're, yeah, we're happy to, I'm happy to talk about it here. And I appreciate, you know, asking that question. It's like a commitment device to think creatively by saying, we're going to have this podcast and we're going to, I wish I could do an episode a week, but you know, it's a lot of work behind the scenes to get that done. So we settled on once a month that we would do it. And it definitely makes sure and forces me to have on the schedule a dynamic conversation with somebody amazing talking about what their work is doing. And so it's forcing me to be on that cadence of making sure that I'm thinking. Your background is in the fire service, but that's not the only folks you interview. Do you think that there needs to be more cross-communication between fire service professionals and other folks in public service fields? 100%. We have done a great job in our professional development processes where we are capturing fire service leadership being taught by fire service leaders. And I don't want to devalue that. There's value to that way of thinking as well. However, there are other leaders that are examining the same challenges or exploring a different future than we are. And we can make sure that we're learning from their environment as well. The way that we are going to get better and we're going to grow and we're going to evolve is going to be by thinking differently about how we approach things. And that is strongly going to be influenced by welcoming other ways of thinking into our industry. Is your podcast a way to build on connections that you have made as a fire chief? You know, I I like to hope so, because when you really look at an entire public safety ecosystem, so many of us are trying to accomplish some of the same goals. It definitely gives us a window to create conversation and conversation will lead to connection, which leads to collaboration. Now, I I humored a little bit when I first launched the podcast and it became known in my local community that the fire chief has a podcast. You could imagine my my colleague in the operations chief. He just kind of looked at me with, you know, kind of this stoic look and said, uh, tell me what kind of problems you're going to cause me with this podcast. And, uh, and I sat back and I, and I laughed and I said, I really don't imagine that the podcast is going to cause you any problems. If anything, I think it's going to spark really good discussion. I have written some articles that might cause a heartburn. I like to write. And when I write, it's about a call to action for leaders to start to examine service differently. People shouldn't feel threatened by this, but I think we should be realistic about what sustainability looks like in our industry. And we know so much more than we did five years ago or 10 years ago, uh, let alone 20 years ago. But you look at some of our practices that are legacy practices from well before I started in this industry. And so the idea behind writing is just to reach an audience who likes to read and challenging people to think, just think differently, like we've talked about here in the podcast. And not everyone's going to agree. And like, that's the that's the beauty of it. Like you shouldn't just agree, but you should think about it. And I welcome that conversation because I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just offering perspectives uh, on how I may see things a little bit differently. It's clear that you do a lot of thinking about your own leadership style and you bring that into your podcast, leadership and innovation being central themes that you cover. As a leader, how do you stay mentally flexible, informed, and able to perform at your highest caliber? One of the things that was was great advice from a book that I had read on leadership, and it was written by a private sector CEO. And the takeaway from that message was protecting time in your day that you leave room for creative thinking. And for really busy executives, that's straight putting a meeting on your calendar 
that is dedicated to creative thinking and to protect that at, at all costs. Because if you're fire chief or leader and you're in the daily grind, Lord knows there is more than enough things to keep you busy 100% of the time and then some, and then over the 40-hour work week and well into the 60-hour work week or whatever. But you're missing something for your organization because your job as a key leader and it's particularly like as a CEO of the fire district, the chief executive, the expectation my board has for me is you will protect the sustainability of this organization for decades into the future. You're the fire chief. Someone else will be sitting in that seat, will reap the experience that we set up. So I think that's so important. And the main focus for me is forcing time to think critically. And then also at the same time, finding opportunities to put myself in rooms and environments with people much smarter than me who are thinking more creatively than me and who are going to challenge me to look at stuff differently. Uh, During COVID-19 pandemic, as we've had a lot of these atmospheres or environments where we would typically bring people together to to do some creative problem solving, we haven't done that, uh, been able to do that. It took us a little while to adapt to what Zoom meetings were going to look like and Anyone who's ever been to a conference, you know, gets value out of the curriculum or the offerings, but we all know that really that's exemplified through the networking and the relationships that's occurring between different sessions. And so without those, we've had a gap and I've felt it. Uh, The podcast helped fill that gap amongst a couple of other projects that I do as well. How do we replicate that experience that we were getting in conferences? How do I recreate it in either a virtual environment or some other space? so that we can continue to have that creative thinking. Like we can't afford to lose two years of productivity in our, in our industry, not in today's day and age. Like we have to keep our foot on that gas pedal. You touched a little bit on the legacy aspect of being in a leadership role and the way that you set your institution up for success in the future. I think that there's an interesting intersection there of what is it that you are going to enable or leave behind for those who come after you. So this may be a bit of a stretch, but I'm curious about what your thoughts are about the future of the fire service and its role in communities. Much like our our predecessors who navigated kind of when EMS became part of the emergency response model, I think we're going through that same paradigm shift right now, but more of a social service infusion into what we do as a fire service industry. If we zoom out a little bit from just we respond to emergencies and we have our models for risk reduction and other services that we're providing our community, we shouldn't lose sight that one of the best things that we offer as a community service is we have a highly efficient call center. We're able to insert calls into our system via a frictionless access point, 911, really easy to get into that system. We have experts who identify and triage those calls and they produce an output. And we're getting smarter and better at how we're evaluating what that information looks like because the output from 911 becomes an input for emergency response decisions. What type of resource, how fast, where, what location should they come from? We have one of the most effective mobile resource deployment systems across the country. The fire service does. We have fixed assets, fixed facilities in geodiverse locations where it certainly wouldn't make sense for private sector folks to build brick and mortar buildings where we have them. We have them there as designed to be effective for the service that we provide to our communities, but we could be using those facilities and other areas of service delivery. We should be exploring that. 
So we have geodiverse facilities, locations, and we have expertise in mobile resource deployment, uh, field assessment, and problem solving. So when you start to look at challenges our communities have, you know, and it's different in different areas of the country, and it's different in rural versus urban environments, but we're all facing challenges that don't fit nice or neatly into a organizational chart box. It actually is a Venn diagram where there's overlapping challenges all wrapped into one space. So a good example of that is unhoused or homeless issues that communities are trying to solve. And it's really complex. Like there's a lot of different components that overlap. There's addiction services and there's mental health challenges and there's emergency 911 response. And there's sometimes a law enforcement component. There's an environmental component. So there's all of these different areas that overlap. Like you can't just say we need to fix this problem, give it to health and human services, and they'll solve it or give it to the sheriff's department and they'll solve it. Like we need task forces of interdisciplinary resources to manage that. We're good at that. The fire service is good at triaging calls, assessment, solving these problems, but we don't always find ourselves as the partner that's sitting at the table. And I encourage the fire service leaders right now to be part of that discussion because when you really zoom out and look at what we can provide, we have a very efficient process that would help other areas of our community be successful in the services they're trying to provide. A lot of other government services, it's come to the building. And we know transportation in and of itself is a huge barrier for many members of our population to reach the services they need. Too much friction. And if we can help solve that with a frictionless system that gets people access to those services, we're going to make a big improvement to the challenges our communities have. This is something that you see as a priority going forward, and the fire service has the potential to be a great ally in that transition of making things frictionless, as you put it. And I, if, if you would indulge me for a second, too, I just I want to add to that where I could envision that technology is going to improve some of the service delivery that we're providing. And I'll just give one example of that, and that's improving the incident command decision environment. David Blankenship and I spent great time talking about this on an episode of my podcast. And the idea is that we have so much more information available to us today than we did years past. Yet our command environment hasn't improved at the rate in general. And just some great organizations doing amazing things. And Dave talks about his experience in those. But in general, we're still really dependent on someone who calls in to 911 describing the situation. From psychology, we know that the stress of that situation, let's call it an emergent event, maybe a house fire, is impacting their ability to recall what it is that's going on and share that information over. So we know that that poses a challenge. We have information about the building that's not readily available to all of our incident commanders across the country Right now, you know, they don't have information that's available somewhere. It's available in the, the building department records. It's available in different inspection records, but they're not capturing all of that and using it, putting it in front of our incident commander. So long story short is we have great opportunity right now to change the incident command environment to a much more informed incident command environment where we're relying less on just the ability of an incident commander to utilize experience 
And I don't want to undercut that. The experience is valuable. Like they've worked in that community for 20 years. They know that building. But what happens when the incident commander hasn't worked in that community for 20 years and doesn't know that building or that building six months ago? And we're seeing a lot of this in Southern Oregon. A lot of warehouses have been converted into marijuana extraction facilities. FirstNet is the game changer. And we're now starting to see it roll out into communities and we're starting to see it evolve and roll into rural communities where data access, broadband access wasn't readily available to emergency response personnel is becoming available. And so we're seeing this entire technology industry, and this is largely by the work of Chief Johnson and the Western Fire Chiefs Association and their great focus on this future of putting together pieces to make our our fire service industry better. In the next six months to a year, we're going to see technology advancements that we haven't even imagined in the last 20 years. Uh, We need to be ready for that as an industry. We need to be ready to understand it and then to start to adapt that because it's going to not just improve outcomes in the communities for our missions. It's going to improve safety to firefighters and wellness to firefighters and our families. As you can tell, I'm, I'm pretty excited about where it is that we're going. That's a future to be excited about, I think. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today, Chief? Oh, well, no, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be on the podcast and just to share a little bit about our show and our inspiration and my inspiration for why we're doing what we're doing. So I'm grateful for that. I encourage all the listeners to rethink something, you know, identify what it is, have an open mind and just think about it and think differently and ask other people from different industries, successful or otherwise, about some of the challenges that you see facing and and listen to what they have to say, because, you know, we don't have all the answers we're not going to, but we're going to grow when we are asking the right questions. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It's wonderful to hear about other fire service professionals who are using podcasting and other means to share information and to, as you've said so eloquently, start the conversation and see where it goes from there. I'm really looking forward to your next episode. Yeah, thank you very much. Please check check out the podcast, Assuming Command, anywhere you find your podcast content. Uh, Please share your thoughts with us. I welcome the discussion. That's part of the point of it. We look forward to producing this podcast for as long as people are willing to listen to it and keep the conversation alive. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Stay safe out there and until next time. For more information about our podcast and today's episode, visit our website at keythemic.org. That's keythemic.org.